Bless the Lord. My name is Apostle Dr. Antonio E. Wright, Senior Pastor and Founder of Kingdom Expectations. You are now preparing to listen to Kingdom Expectation Ministries podcast. We pray that you be blessed, encouraged, and enriched as you listen to the Word of God. So it's kind of strange, uh, not really strange tonight, but we, we've been talking about the currency of the kingdom. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we've been talking about the currency of the kingdom being faith. Uh, so for the past few weeks and the next few weeks, we're going to really deal with this uh, particular aspect of faith. We're just going to touch it uh, softly, but it's something I want you to be cognizant of. So we want to we deal with faith. Uh, from what we would consider to be a kingdom perspective, uh, uh, not just a naming and claiming, waming and blaming kind of thing, not just uh, 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 faith to get stuff out, uh, because most people just want to get something out of it. But uh, there's a little bit more to this uh, than getting something out of it, because there's something that you have to put into it. So we want to go and still further into the currency of the kingdom being faith, but our title message for tonight being a title message, since I need to give those periodically, is why your faith is tested. So the thought tonight is why your faith is tested. What is the purpose of the trying of your faith, if you will? And, and I was remembering uh, in my notes here, and I, I while I was doing my notes, I was remembering when we first started the church in 1990, uh, uh, I'd never forget there were several things I think one time for like two years, I taught on giving and how to break the, the uh, how to break the spirit of lack off of the lives of the people. Uh, and that was a blessing. We had businesses that had started. We had people that was getting raises. We had people that had been putting in for jobs for five years. And next thing we know, the people was calling them, say they had lost their resume and they'd given them raises and things of that nature. <clears throat> that is one part of faith, but there was a particular scripture I think that I, I taught on this particular verse close to a year, if not more, and it was 1 Peter 5 and 10. Now, again, uh, my thought for tonight or my, my, the subject matter for tonight is why your faith is tested. <clears throat> Excuse me, but and don't worry, I don't have the virus. I just got allergies. Uh, amen, but God is good. I'm healed. <clears throat> so one of the scriptures that I used for several months, I think it was like a year, two years, was 1 Peter 5 and 10. 1 Peter 5 and 10 reads like this. It says, but the God of all grace who hath called unto, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, be mindful of this. This is, might be like the foundation scripture <clears throat> as we go in tonight, why your faith is tested. It says, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and then settle you. It's amazing how suffering can periodically settle you. Why your faith is tested? Well, uh, kingdom faith or the currency of the kingdom faith is what we would consider to be tested faith. And in and, and, and thinking of that or using that thought, uh, faith really isn't faith until you have nothing else to hold on to. That's really, when you really know you got faith, you have faith when you know that there's literally nothing else that you can hold on to. So, so kingdom faith, a currency of the kingdom, which is kingdom faith, is tested faith. And when we have tested faith, we now have what we call mature faith. And here's what I want you to remember. Faith is only as strong as the tested it survives. And I, I think I shared this with you last week. I never forget when I first gave my life to the Lord. I didn't know anything about fasting. 
uh, no disrespect to the particular church I came out of, but I came out of a missionary Baptist church. I didn't know anything about fasting. I knew about homemade uh, strawberry and homemade pineapple ice cream after service on Sunday and them collard greens and sweet potato pies and apple pies. And my, my godmother who, who expired at the age of 108, she was great at making German chocolate. Man, she make a German chocolate cake, make you want to slap the Pope and take his shoes. So I was accustomed to stuff like that. But as soon as I gave my life to the Lord, the Lord said, I want you to fast. Well, I didn't, I didn't know anything about fasting. So, and I remember Terry sharing you this story. So I was personally fasting every other day from six in the morning to 6 p.m. Uh, once I arrived in Germany and the Lord set me in a house uh, to learn and to grow, once I got set there, there was a young man, uh, Evangelist Robert. Robert was out of New York, New York. Uh, and he said, well, uh, Brother Wright, since you have so much faith, why don't you go on a three-day fast? Well, you know, one part of me said, you done lost your mind. <clears throat> but another part of me wanted to be tested. So I went on the three-day fast. First one I went on, by the, by the third day that morning hit, well, I thought I was about to die. But I knew I had to stay on it, not so much as because of him, but I knew I needed to stay on the fast because of him. Amen. Not the him, Evangelist Robert, but the him who I was serving. And, and so you say, why does, what does that have to do with uh, why your faith is tested? Or why does that have to do with kingdom faith? And what does that have to do with the maturity of faith? Well, faith is only as strong as the test that it survives. And you do not believe until you have to. You know, as, as people tickle me when they serve God, they're always fine with the things of God when everything is what we call honky-dory. But when it comes a time when you have to focus on whether you're going to serve God or serve man, when it comes a time when you're going to have to believe God or believe what everybody else is saying or believe what the news is saying, when it comes a time for your belief, that's when you really find out if you have faith in God or not. When the rubber hits the road, if you will, when the tide needs to be tied, then you'll understand whether you really have faith. So, so kingdom faith or the currency of the kingdom, which is faith, is faith that has to be tested. And once your faith is tested, then you have what we consider to be mature faith. Now, remember the theme for the night or the thought for the night is why your faith is tested. So we see that, first of all, your faith has to be tested so we can you can see some level of maturity within yourself, and you're also glorifying God in the mix. So if we look at this, and I'm going to do my best tonight, as always, to stick to my notes. If we look at this, the strength of our faith determines how well we function and how well we enjoy the fullness of kingdom life. Because you cannot really enjoy the fullness of kingdom life if you don't have faith in the things that you're serving, if you don't have faith in the belief of God, if you don't have faith that God would give you and do unto you and protect you and provide for you as he said he is. Why? Because the currency of the kingdom is faith. And kingdom, if we're dealing with the kingdom of God, and especially uh, those of you who are attached to me understand this, the kingdom economy never suffers recession. The kingdom economy never experiences an inflation. The kingdom economy is always stable and it's always safe. I can go back historically. I remember again, 2007, I told the church to come out of your 401ks, do this, this, that there, X, Y, and Z. I told members of the church, when you get a home, never get a home on an arm, get the home straight out. If you can't get it straight out, don't get it. For those that paid attention, God blessed. I, I never forget when I started into this multi-level marketing group and you know, one of the guys would, would use me prayer. I said, well, you know, everybody lost money in the real estate in 2008. Doc, didn't you? I said, no, 
I actually made money. Why? Because I'm a part of the kingdom and I listen to what God told me to do, regardless of what everybody else is doing. So here's another portion of kingdom faith. Kingdom faith tells you to do things that other people don't do. So you have to have a choice of whether you want to follow the crowd or whether you want to follow God. I've always told people, my grandmother taught me this, sometimes you follow the crowd too close and if they go off the side of the wall, you're going off the same side of the wall with them because you're following everything they do. But God might tell you to go otherwise. So you have to be cognizant of what God is trying to tell you to do as far as the kingdom faith is concerned. So again, faith is the currency of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, in our economy, we never suffer recession. You say, well, why is your faith tested? Because you get to the point to where it looks like you have lack, but then God still provides. I testified a, a, a few years ago uh, when my father was had transitioned, was, getting, was in the process of transitioning, and my house was up for foreclosure. The church never knew about it. I, I didn't tell them because God said, it's your house, you're going to keep it. That's all I needed. All I needed was the currency of the kingdom. And so in doing so, I stayed focused while I was visiting my father in Florida and coming back home and faxing paperwork off. And they lost the paperwork that I was faxing off. And I had to get ready to come back home to do paperwork again. And then by the time I got back home, five days later, my father transitioned, had to go back to Florida, still trying to do this paperwork. Then in the midst, the people lost the paperwork. But you say, well, 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 did you worry about it? No, I didn't worry about it because I have the currency of the kingdom. Lo and behold, a year later, when the paperwork finally got finished, they only put my end date. See, I went from a 4% fixed rate to a 4.5. I only owed $94,000 on my house. So now they spread it up from 94,000 to 98,000. They spread it out over 30 years, but I could still pay the house off in 12 years, which is what I was gonna do anyway. Now you say, what does that have to do with the currency of the kingdom? Everything, because in the kingdom, you never lose. There's never a recession. There's never an inflation. You're always stable and you're always safe. You just gotta see where your faith is. Why your faith is tested? Because you have to get to a place that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that God is in charge and God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. And according to the name of the church, Kingdom Expectations, we expect God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can even ask or think. So if we look at this, whenever we invest our currency or whenever we invest our, invest our faith in the kingdom economy, we're always investing in what they consider to be a bull market. We're always investing in something that's winning. We're always investing in something that's growing. We're always investing in something that's expanding. So in thinking of that, it's one thing to talk big about faith. And I shared this when I got started because, you know, people really talk faith until hell pops up or decisions pop up. Then you have to worry about what kind of faith you really have. Uh, but, but you have to understand that, that God is always in control. So it's one thing to talk big about faith, but quite another to invest your faith. It's one thing to, 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 to talk that you got this and you, you know you, you in command of this, but it's another thing to walk in the command that God gave you. It's, it's kind of like back in the streets, they say there comes a time when you have to put your money where your mouth is. And that's during times of stress and testing. I, I, still, I still have this issue you know, it's funny how people will talk how much they love God, how much they serve God, how much they appreciate God until they slip. And instead of coming back to the hip, they stay out on the slip. And then it's like, so, so what, what did God change? Did, did, did God do something different? What happened? If he's the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow, why'd you give up on God after he didn't give up on you? Think about it. That's the, Where's your faith? 
Where's your, where's your currency? Where's, where's your devotion at? Where, where's all your trust at? And you got to be reminded. You got to put your money where your mouth is, right? Because it's during times of stress and during times of testing, we really see where your faith and where your trust is. Think about this. Now, think about this. Our maturity is literally measured by how we handle pressure, stress, and times of confusion. That's when our maturity is measured. Because, you know, here's what you got to understand. It makes no difference how long you're in the gospel. You can still be immature. Help me, somebody. It does not make how many, not much difference how long you've been saved or, or born again. You can still be immature. So you have to understand that your maturity is measured by how you handle pressure, stress, and times of confusion. You've got to be mindful of that. Immature people collapse under stress. Immature people give up under pressure. Immature people quit when things get tough. Mature people don't. So the question is in my notes, how mature are you? Because there's gonna come a time you're gonna get tested. There's gonna come a time where your faith has to rise to the occasion. There's gonna come a time where your check's gonna get cashed and you gotta make sure that you got something in the bank. Amen, somebody. It's kind of like I said, 1 Peter 5 and 10. After you have suffered a while, the Lord will establish, equip, build you up, and, 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 and settle you. There has to be a place of settling in your life. So, so, so let's look at something. The key to effective living is the capacity and the ability to manage, help me if you will, uh, the ability to manage and to expect the unexpected. That's it. That's, that's my point. That's the key to effective living. You have to be have the capacity to manage the expected as well as the unexpected. You have to be prepared for these things. Dealing with expected stuff isn't difficult. Why? Because you expected that to happen and that's easy to prepare for. But when something unexpected happens suddenly, the question is how do you react? You know, again, like I said, when, when they told me my house is up for foreclosure, now here's the stupidity. I was mailing, I only missed one payment. Granted, I missed that one payment. In the next month, I was sending in the, the, the next payment. I was sending in the payment. And they say, no, sir, I'm sorry, you're in foreclosure. That was unexpected. But how did I handle that unexpectedness? I was cool, calm, and collective because God said, I blessed you with this house and I add no sorrow with it. Simple as that. I went through a season of testing, kind of like a quarantine. And of course, you'll find out as I get further into my notes, when you go through that, you come out a lot better. Yeah, you come out a lot stronger. Right, right. You come out a lot more devoted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because now you know that you know that you know that God is awesome. It's not that you didn't know it before, but once you see him do it, man, please help me somebody. So you have to understand your response to the unexpected is a telltale sign of what you are really made of. You know, and I watch people, as soon as they get into a little trouble, they say, oh, what am I going to do? What you did before, trust God. Where am I going to go? Where you went before, to the Lord. How am I going to handle this? Like you did before, on your knees. It's just as simple as that. Mature people always prepare for the unexpected. Why? Because they expect the unexpected and they plan ahead for it. Now, the question will be posed, how do you prepare for the unexpected? Hmm. Well, you prepare for the unexpected on your knees. Amen, somebody. You prepare for the unexpected on your knees in prayer. Because what I like about that is periodically God will get you straight and get you ready for it. You prepare for the unexpected on a fast. You prepare for the unexpected in your word. You prepare for the unexpected in fellowship. Right, right, right. In fellowship one with another. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to be not. We have these people who are islands and they fellowship by themselves. But, you know, even God was against that. So I don't know why you're trying to do something that he told you not to do. Amen. That's a whole other subject. So you have to be in fellowship one with another. You have to be able to hear the word from someone. You know, you people say, well, I give myself the word because I'm preaching. No, 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 no. You have faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you have to be around someone that you can hear the word of God so the word of God can build you up. But let me get off of that. So let's look at something uh, and think about this because immature people don't suffer. Or <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Immature people do not and usually do not and usually suffer the consequences. In other words, when they're immature, they suffer the consequences of the lack of faith. When they're immature, they suffer the consequences of that unexpected thing hitting them and them not being prepared for because they're immature. Now, the funny thing about immaturity, it makes no difference how much they, 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 they think they have it going. They really understand whether or not they have it going once that trial hits, once that situation hits. Uh, once, 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 once the covers are, are pulled off, because here, you know, it's kind of funny. And I'm going to say this now. I'm going to say it again later in my notes, because I know I got it written in there, but I'm going to say this now. It's kind of like there's sometimes that the enemy goes before the Lord to throw up an accusation against you and say, well, look, if you do this, 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 and this, they're going to turn from you. And you don't pay no attention because what will happen is he'll throw that woman, he'll throw that man, he'll throw the job, he'll throw the house, he'll throw the car, he'll throw the husband, he'll throw the wife, he'll throw the children. He will allow the enemy to throw all this in front of you. And when the enemy throws all this in front of you, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I tell people, well, my child is this, my child is that, and my child, I don't care. The Bible says my whole household will be saved. I take God at his word. You know, the Bible says I can put a hedge of protection around my children. When I pray, I put a hedge of protection around my children. I put a hedge of protection around my family. I put a hedge of protection around my church family. No plague can come now your dwelling, Psalm 91. I stand on the word. My currency in the kingdom is my faith in the word of God. Move on, Rev. Proverbs 22 and 3 puts it like this. It says, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Now, he didn't tell you to go out there in the pit of vipers and just step your foot in there. No, that'd be kind of ignorant. No, that'd really be stupid. He didn't tell you to do that. Again, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but simple keep going. Now, it's kind of funny. You keep going and hanging with the same people, you're going to keep getting the same thing. That's a self-help thing they teach you. You know, if you keep hanging with the same people, you keep doing the same thing and you're expecting something different, that's kind of asinine, uh, stupid, if you will. Uh, so same as in the kingdom. It's, it's impossible truth of the matter, it's impossible for you to have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom because then you're double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, and I always tell people this, say this and get out of this. I always tell people this. There's no way you can tell me that you're serving God and you're telling people about God and you're walking all right before God and you keep the same friends. No, because eventually they're going to turn you away. They're going to be like, well, I know you don't do this and I know you don't like to do this, but there's really no need of me calling you no more. Well, you say, well, I want to have fun. Well, you can have more fun than going to hell. Walk back out, Rib. Okay, I'm going to back it back up. So let's look at this. Maturity and success are related. Yeah, I'm going to come on out of that. Maturity and success are related. Why? Because success is measured by your ability to maintain personal balance in times of turmoil. Think about this. Now, success is measured by your ability 
to maintain personal balance in times of turmoil. So maturity and success is related. Think about this now. Maintaining balance means believing what God said more than believing what you see. Again, maintaining balance is when you believe what God said more than you believe what you see. Right. Remember that because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, we have faith to know that we have what we presently do not see. So the stuff that I see is really fictitious to me. It's not real. It's just something I see consciously. But the things that are more real is what I see in my heart is what I see subconsciously. So I will always believe subconsciously what the word of God says until my subconscious becomes conscious. Amen. Amen. Watch this now. Remember, appearances can be deceiving. We have to see through God's eyes before we know the truth. And let's look at how crazy God's eyes is. I don't mean that in a negative connotation, but let's look. Jesus, <laughs> Ooh, Jesus, told, Jesus told Peter, they said, yo, y'all gonna pay taxes. Jesus said, Jesus said, check this out, Peter. What I want you to do, I need you to use the currents of the kingdom. I need you to go down here and throw your line in the water and catch a fish. And once you catch the fish, I need you to reach in the fish's mouth and pull the money out and go pay taxes. Amen, somebody. Is that not faith? Is that not the currency of the kingdom? Oh, well, how about this one here? And I think I shared this last week. How about when the, when the, when the, when the, when the ruler of the Jairus came and he said, look, I need you to come and pray for my, my daughter. I think it was his daughter because my daughter's sick. And then by the time he was talking to Jesus, his servants came and said, don't bother the master no more. Your child is dead. And Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, yes. He cast his check. He said, yes. Jesus said, your child is here. Go ahead on. So on the way back home, and it was obviously a journey. Hey, Dr. Rick, it was obviously a journey on the way back home. They said, your child is fine. He said, at what time did this happen? They told him the time it happened. He knew it was the time the day before that Jesus has told him. That's the currency of the kingdom. That's kingdom faith. Now, why was his faith tested? So he would get to a level of maturity to where he knew it had a direct relationship with God. Amen, somebody. That's why the kingdom faith is money. It's spendable. It's substance. It's reality. So why is your faith tested? So you can be mature in the things of God. Let's look at something here. Uh, 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 the greatest revelations in life, as well as the greatest opportunities for growth, always come to an unexpected crisis in times of testing. Are we not in those times now? Again, the greatest revelations in life, as well as the greatest opportunities for growth, always come to an unexpected crisis in times of testing. God literally reveals himself to us in fresh new ways when we go through times of testing. God literally reveals himself and speaks to us more plainly whenever we go through times of testing or unexpected crisis. It is when he reveals himself in fresh ways because we need to handle new environments and then he then gives us a new level of faith. We're in a new environment now. God has given us a new level of faith. You've got to be mindful of the fact that God is still in control, but you have to make sure that your faith is being tested so you can reach a certain level of maturity. Amen. So we have to understand how to exercise the faith that we have so he can then build upon that faith and give us more faith. Check this out. The tests that we go through in life are literally testing of times that mold us and help us grow into mature and balanced individuals. 
You only find maturity when you go through the test of life. You only have maturity and fullness and functioning in the things of God when you are tested by your faith or when your faith is being tested so you can become mature. You have to understand what you have stock in. Amen? Tests mold you, and I'm going to read this again. Tests mold you. Tests help us grow, and they help us mature. Maturity, by, by the way, is measured by our capacity to respond effectively to tragedy and chaos. That's, that's maturity. Because, you know, it's not like, um, I keep forgetting this boy's name. Uh, uh, there was one cat that put his finger in, 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 no, Chicken Little, he said, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you know, and that's what happens to saints. Once they hear something on the news, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and the saints of God, with all the faith, start running. The saints of God start running. What's the problem? Again, I'm going to share this. I'm coming straight. I'm going to hit this real quick. 90% of the people with the coronavirus or COVID-19, 80 to 90% of them come out healed after 14 days of quarantine. They're not telling you about those people. They're only telling you about the 111 people that were affected. Okay, 3,000 were affected. They won't tell you that 1,900 came out okay. They only tell you about the 100 that died. Those percentages are, are not the same. That's a very low percentage, but they're not going to tell you that. And we got the saints running rapid, crazy, thinking all hope is gone. Where's your faith? Where's your trust in God? Where's your belief? Where's your maturity? Amen. Back off of that rib. Don't mind if I do. Maturity, again, is measured by your capacity to respond effectively to tragedy and chaos. Your actions in that moment will reveal literally how mature you are. Again, my thought for tonight is why your faith is tested. Again, in order for you to be mature in the things of God, your faith has to be tested. First Peter 5 and 10. After you have suffered a little while, the Lord will establish you, or perfect you, and settle you. There's some things you have to go through. You can always tell a person's maturity by how he or she handles pressure. To put it another way, you would truly know a person or you don't really truly know a person until we observe their behavior under stress. That's when you really, people tell me, well, I gave them a piece of my mind. Well, you only got a piece. If you keep giving too many pieces, it's all gone. So you can always tell somebody's maturity by how they handle pressure. How do you handle pressure? I know you don't want to answer that. Move on, Rip. Oh, let's look at this. <laughs> pressure not only reveals maturity, but pressure also reveals character. Not just maturity, pressure reveals character. Look, one of the things that we can be encouraged about is having to stand firm in our faith is the fact that we are citizens of the kingdom or citizens of a kingdom which can never be thrown down or displaced. The kingdom that I'm a part of, and I pray that you're a part of the kingdom of God, it can never be, it, it will never be displaced. It can never be thrown down. The kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom that will still be standing in all of his power and glory ages after all this stuff dissipates. Here's what it says in Hebrew chapter 12, verses 28 through 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, I didn't say we received salvation to go to heaven. Whole another subject. It says we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So we're citizens of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So when our, test is, when our faith is tested, we have to recognize that even though our faith is tested, it's only tested so we can be mature and comprehending the fact that what we're part of is bigger than what's happening to us. 
That's it. What we're part of, what sustains us is larger than what's happening around us. It's kind of like, uh, 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 it's kind of like the prophet Elijah uh, when his servant, uh, when Elijah was telling the, telling, uh, the king uh, where the enemy was coming at. And they said, well, no, uh, the, the, the king said, well, okay, is there an enemy in my camp? And the woman, the woman said, no, there's not an enemy in your camp, but there's a prophet in their camp. <laughs> Where's he at? So the woman told him where the prophet was. So that morning he got all his, his troops and came together and surrounded uh, Elijah's crib. Y'all don't mind me being normal. Surrounded his crib. And, 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 then, and then Gehazi, Gehazi came out. He said, oh, master, 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 what shall we do? What shall we do? The Philistines are upon us. The Philistines are upon us. <laughs> Elijah said, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. Once the brother opened his eyes, all he seen was angels and chariots of fire around him. You got to understand what kingdom you're a part of. There's angels of war. There's angels of deliverance. There's chariots of fire all around you. No hurt, harm, or dangers can come. Now you're dwelling. Come on now, read Psalm 91. They can't touch you because of the kingdom that you're a citizen of. Think about it now. Think about it now. Think about it now. Uh, 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 throughout the ages, there have been many uh, empires and governments that have tried to destroy God's kingdom. They even tried to destroy it with his own word. They persecuted and killed the people of God. They banned the Bible. You know, now you can't do the Bible in school. But I, somebody told me the other week that President Trump signed a bill that you can now pray in school again. I know they won't put that on the news, but that's what I heard. I've heard it several times, but that's a whole nother subject. They've outlawed teaching God's word. Everybody's against God's word. Why are you with so much against God's word, but yet you let witchcraft and stuff go on? Help, Lord. I'm trying to understand. They're doing everything they can do to discredit the kingdom of God. But here's what you got to understand. Every one of these regimes will be trampled. And the ones that were before us have fallen and disappeared from the face of the earth, while the kingdom of God still stands. The Bible says, after you've done all the stand, stand. The kingdom of God still stands. Every generation sees new powers and governments to make an attempt to come against and challenge the sovereignty of God. We see them in our world today. People today are still trying to make an attempt to come against the kingdom of God, to come against the sovereignty of God, to come against the anointing of God. And we're supposed to be his kingdom citizens that have the currency of the kingdom, which is the faith of God, to stand true and be mature in the things of God, that when a test comes, we don't sway a buckle. Amen, somebody. Let's look at kingdom faith again so I can get out of here. Give me about 10 more minutes, 15 at the most. Kingdom faith builds endurance, but it doesn't build endurance by avoiding or escaping tests and hardship. It builds endurance by facing them down in the power of God's spirit. Not in the power of your spirit, but the power of God's spirit. The word of God makes it very clear in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, if you will, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, we ought always to thank God for you. And this is them talking about the Thessalon Thessalon Woo! Thessalonian brothers. He says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. So when we suffer, we're suffering for the things of God. We're not, see, you make it personal. When they come after me, they're not coming after me. They're coming after the spirit of God in me because they can't stand his authority. 
Amen. So I don't even take it personal. They're not coming after me. They're coming after the God in me. Some church folk do that too because they're jealous because God might have called you and not called them. That's called immaturity. Amen. So if we look at this again, getting back on this, the Christian believers in the city of Thessalonica were undergoing persecutions and trials. They were suffering, Paul said, for the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, they, weren't, they weren't surrendering. They weren't fleeing and they weren't giving in. They weren't even abandoning their faith. Now, again, how many times have we watched the saints of God, the citizens of the kingdom, when, when the enemy comes in, they give up. They abandon their faith. How can you abandon such a great faith? How can you abandon such a great gift? How can you abandon such great access to the kingdom of God and the fullness of God? How can you abandon such an army that's surrounded around you? How can you give that up for a little suffering, knowing that the trying of your faith work in patience? knowing that your faith has been tested for maturity, knowing that God is going to complete everything he said he's going to complete in your life. Let's look at the guys in Thessalonica. They were enduring. Their faith was growing more and more. Their love for one another was increasing. All of this was taking place in the midst of trials and persecutions. These particular believers were developing a reputation of faith and perseverance. Wouldn't that be great? Think about this now. Wouldn't that be great for people to know you, not for what you avoided, but for what you made it through? Wouldn't it be great for people to know you, not for what you gave up, but what you went through? Wouldn't it be good for people to know you when they saw you in turmoil and mixed up and they thought you was going to give out and curse God and die, but you stayed true to the things of God? Wouldn't it be? Sidebar. It's kind of like you go out on a date, you fell in love and the person wants to make love, but you know you can't make love because it's against the oracles of God. What do you do? Where's your faith? It's kind of like you're on your job, you're making $130,000 a year and the boss tells you to do the accounting numbers wrong. So it'll look like you're doing something right, but you're actually doing something wrong and the boss tells you, if you don't do it, I'm going to fire you. What do you do? Amen. What do you do? Uh, 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 uh. I tell you what, I remember when I first got saved and, uh, and uh, the insurance man knocked on the door. Let's go old school. The insurance man knocked on the door and your mama tell you to tell the insurance man you ain't home. You know she home. What do you do? We talking about maturity. Okay, let's put it down where the rubber hits the road. Are you going to stay true to the things of God? Because everybody knows that you're a Christian. Everybody knows that you're a believer. Everybody knows the way that you should be living. Do you know how you should be living? Are you going to give up and lose hope and focus on the things of God? Just for a little, I got to keep my job. I need a little satisfaction. Move on, Rev. So whenever we endure trials with grace and confidence, we always emerge stronger on the other side. So what we do then is <laughs> we encourage and inspire others to endure the test that they are facing. So when I go through something, I'm encouraging you to go through something. When you go through something, you're encouraging others to go through something. When they go through something, they're encouraging others to go through something. What we go through encourages others that they can get through. So when people come and talk to me about their houses or their cars and stuff, I said, dude, you can make it. It's just a test. 
Amen, somebody. So if we look at it even more, our endurance points will our endurance will then point these individuals to Jesus, who's the strength that we endure through. I don't do nothing through myself. I do everything through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit within me. It's all God and it's all good. Kingdom faith of the currents of the kingdom equips us to endure trials and become strong with every test we survive. That's what kingdom faith does. And that's the nature of kingdom faith. It thrives in the midst of crisis. Here's what Jesus said in John 16, 33. I pray somebody's being blessed. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I've said this for years, and in some cases, your family don't even want to like you because you don't believe like they believe. You don't serve the way they serve. That's okay. Who do you want to be accountable to, your family or to God? Your family don't have a heaven or hell to put you in, but God does. <laughs> yes, he does. So let's look at that. Jesus said, look, I've told you. In me, you're going to have peace, but in the world, you're going to have some trouble. Everybody, everybody don't like you. Everybody just don't like you. And you know, I'm kind of crazy. If I got too many friends, I got an issue, something wrong, something wrong. Then I had to categorize my friends. That's a whole nother subject. So people generally aren't impressed by your faith during good times. No, they're really not. Anyone can believe when things are going well, be mindful of that. They're watching to see what you do when the going gets tough. You know, I remember when I worked in the government, they used to just watch me. They used to just watch me, especially when I supervised at the post office. I supervised 91 guys, three tours. And they thought I was going to sweat. Yeah, you a reverend. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. No, you ain't, bro. I got this. They used to be amazed. I go on Sunday morning. How you going to work on Sunday morning? Because, you know, church folk try not to work on Sunday morning. I'm so glad we got Saturday night service. But we didn't back then. We had Sunday morning service. I worked on Sunday morning. I didn't tell them I couldn't work because I was a preacher. My wife did the church. I went to work on Sunday morning, had church. I got there 7 o'clock, 7.30. I had a message. <laughs> 8 o'clock, they went to work. 11 o'clock, all my mail was off the dock. They couldn't figure out how I got mail to 7,500 stations in less than three hours. The currents of the kingdom. I gave them word. They literally came there. These cats didn't go to church. They said, man, Rev, you got a word for this morning? Yeah, I got a word for this morning. I thought I gave this word. Now you need to move this mail. Rev, we ain't worried about that. I give them a word. They moved the mail. What? It was a test. I passed the test. I came out stronger. Think about it. Can you shine for Jesus whenever you are no, let me read my notes. Can you shine for Jesus wherever you are, no matter what's happening in your life? Can you do that? Can you shine for the Lord? So as I get ready to close, I just got a couple of more things. Always learn to grow where you're planted. We are not here because things uh, uh, go well or, or poorly for us. You're not here. You are here because God planted you here and God planted you here to grow. So you need to learn to grow where you're planted. You know, I always tell people, I don't meet people by accident. I don't meet people uh, by happenstance. Everybody in my life I've met for a purpose. It's up to them whether they recognize that purpose or not. But everybody I meet, I meet them for a purpose. And 99.9% .9 of the time, my purpose is kingdom. I meet them for the purpose of kingdom. Now, whether they come, be a part, uh, have access to, that's on them. But I understand that you're in my life for kingdom purposes. And my duty as a kingdom citizen is to let you know that kingdom purpose. Now, after that, it's on you. But you have to grow where you planted. Second Thessalonians 1 and 4, Paul said this to the Thessalonians. Amongst God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith 
in all the persecution and trial you're enduring. Think about this. Uh, they're, they're, they're facing trials uh, or the trials that you faced in the past or the ones that you might be going through now. Would Paul be able to boast about your perseverance and your faith? Or more importantly, would God be able to boast? Remember now, the enemy went up before God. He said, what about your servant Job? And God said, check. Job ain't gonna turn his back on me. The enemy said, that's because you have a hedge of protection around him. Move the hedge. God says, I'm gonna move the hedge. You could take everything he got, but you can't take his life. Think about this now. In a matter of hours or minutes, Job lost everything he had to include his children. He lost his children. He lost his animals. He lost his land. He lost everything he had. And then on top of that, he was inflicted with sores that was so thick on his skin that he could scrape them off with a spoon. But he never cursed God. He never turned his back on God. Can God boast about you like that? Do you have that kind of kingdom faith? Because here's what's stupid. After he went through all that and his friends falsely accused him, he went through all that and his friends falsely accused him. He then prayed for his friends. And when he prayed for his friends, God gave him back double of everything he lost. He had double of his asses and cattle. He had double of his children. He had double of his land. He had double of, of, of everything, of his finances. Everything he lost because of his currency of faith in the kingdom of God and his maturity and his faith being tested, he got double for his trouble. Can God brag on you like that? Why has your faith been tested? Can he? Second, Second Thessalonians 1, 5, the B part. And here's what Paul said uh, when our faith stands of the testing. He says, we're counted worthy for the kingdom of God. Anybody can serve God when they're getting stuck. Can I ask you a question? Can you serve God paying your tithes and your priests and offerings and it don't look like a door is opening? Ooh. Been there, done that. Can you still serve God? Can you still give him that 10, 15, 20% when it doesn't seem like he's opening a door? Can you still do that priestly offering for every feast? Can you do that priest offering when God tells you to and it still doesn't look like a door is open? Can you still serve God, fast and pray and be in your word when it doesn't seem like a door is opening? Can God brag on you and count you worthy of his kingdom? Because when your faith is being tested, your maturity level is coming up. Amen, somebody. When your faith is being tested, your maturity level and the things of God are going up. Everything ain't going to be sugar, baby. You're going to get some salt sometime. Move on, Rev. Don't mind if I do. Our worthiness for God's kingdom is tied to our ability to endure hardship, our ability to persevere in the trials. With this in mind, we have to understand we have to get to a place to where as we welcome tests. We have to welcome them when they come, not because the tests are fun, because tests are not fun, trust that, but because we know that they're helping us grow to be mature and the fullness of the kingdom life is not being represented in us. Here's how James put it. James said, look, in James chapter one, verses two through four, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It has to come so you could be mature and complete. Understand, every time you go through a period of hardship, strength and maturity are being developed in you. Every time you go through hell, 
strength and maturity are being developed in you. And everybody's not going to like you. Every situation isn't going to favor you. But God gives you favor in the midst of the storm to mature you so people can see the glory of God in the midst of what you're going through. They don't see you. They see the God in you. Your circumstances losing, but you're winning in the process. How about that one? But that's a good one. That's a good one right there. Yeah. What do they call it? Uh, 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 uh. What do they call it when you when you send something? Twitter that. Tweet that. Yeah. Tweet that. Your circumstance might be losing, but you're winning in the process. Look at this, man. We you don't grow in good times. You can tell when God is ready for another jump in your life because the test He allows come your way. Here's what I taught for years, and I still believe this. You know that you're being promoted when the enemy attacks you in a strange way. But don't be blindsided because the enemy knows your weakness. And he'll always try to bring that before you. Because once you got over that, you think you're good and calm, cool, and collective. Then bam, here it comes again. Bam, here she comes. Bam, here he comes. Bam, here you smell that weed. Bam, that liquor comes at you. Bam, that lie comes up. Bam, all these situations come up. Because he knows. He said, oh, I can get them here. They thought I left. I'm coming back again. But then when he comes a strange way, you're maturing. You're growing in the things of God. I've always believed it's the harder the test, the greater the growth. Amen. Think about it. There was a, there was a, a proverb or something back in the day that made a statement about, a, about a, a sailor. A sailor don't learn how to sail in calm seas. A sailor learns how to sail in rough seas. Yeah, because you know how to horse that sail real quick then. Amen. So I want you to get to a place that you stand up to whatever life tosses your way and face it with the currency of faith and come out victorious and strong on the other side. Please, 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 please. I need you to understand this. People around are watching to see what kind of faith you have and what kind of God you serve. I can talk about me. I know years ago, they, they counted me out. It's been 30 years passing, 32 altogether. They said, that boy crazy. He'll never make it. I'm still here and growing. Amen, somebody. People are watching to see what kind of faith you have and what kind of God that you serve. Huh? If you have all good stories to tell, then they might conclude that God is just a, a Santa Claus and God is not a Santa Claus. But when people watch you go through hell and come out smiling with no sin or smoke, then they want that kind of God. It's kind of like when people have came to me and said, well, you know, uh, the doctor said I can't have no baby. Well, that ain't what God said. Let me lay hands on. The doctor said, I got cancer. But that ain't what God says. He said, by his stripes, you've been healed. Let's lay hands on you. Let's pray the prayer of faith. Let's pray the prayer of agreement. Let's believe God with you. Well, I'm going through chemo. They say I got stage four cancer. Yeah, but that ain't what God said. I will believe the report of the Lord. What did God say? Yeah, but I'm weak. I don't care how weak you are. What did God say? Stand on the word of God and watch God bring you out. And when he brings you out, they coming, baby. They coming. They coming. I got 35 seconds. Watch this. It's not what we escape. It's not what we escape. It's not what we escape, but what we endure that gains us respect, both with the world and the kingdom of God. It's not what we escape, but it's what we endure that gains us respect with those in the world that are watching us and also in the kingdom of God. While your faith is tested, can God trust you? Can God depend on you?
bless the Lord. We pray that this broadcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe to Kingdom Expectations Podcast and also like us on our social media Facebook page at Kingdom Expectations. As always, stay blessed and be safe. God bless you.